2: 15. On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll dig into several developments in the National League
0: East. Like Duff and taxes, Dodgers has been a Dodger. I have That's not it. had the 3 go go-throughs uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy three. league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15, on The Athletic.
2: Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Friday, March 19th. I'm Al Melkior, and with me to wrap up this week is Derek Van Riper and D.V.R. There are quite a few items in the news that involve some uh, neighbors in the NL East, Uh, but let's start over in the American League counterpart because it's been a good spring training for Eduardo Rodriguez, and he's been rewarded with the nod for Opening Day as the uh, Red Sox starting pitcher. So uh, so far, 11 and two thirds innings for Rodriguez. Fourteen strikeouts, no walks, and this is probably one of the starters uh, that I was, you know, most concerned about coming into this year. Uh, and I think I'm, I'm not alone in that. But uh, you know, both just from a uh, a human perspective and from a baseball perspective, this is so encouraging.
0: Yeah, happy to see him healthy again and pitching well this spring. And you know, he may have been turning corner in the second half of 2019. It was the second year in a row with an ERA under four. The whip was actually a career worst at 133, but 213 strikeouts, easily a career high for Erod that year. Really good skills across the board. Just the guy that I've I've been buying into for a few years now, and I think I'm back in. I was just skeptical from the simple perspective of he was very significantly impacted by COVID in the shortened season. And I didn't know how he was going to respond to increased activity. What we've seen to this point, it's about as encouraging as you could hope for. And I think he's probably a top 50 starting pitcher for me, again, with relative ease. I think he's probably one of the biggest movers. If you look at my rankings from December and compare them to where we're at here in mid-March, I would assume that he's probably among the biggest movers upward among starting pitchers.
2: I would think he would be. And we say it so often here that I think we probably make ourselves and our listeners sick of it, but, you know, we're constantly urging uh, all of us to not take uh spring stats so seriously, but, uh, you know, Saras recently wrote a piece for the athletic talking about, I think it was six players with stats that, that means something. And I think Rodriguez's uh, maybe can be added to that list, Uh, you know, because here's a, a case where we were just looking to see if, you know, this was a pitcher who, who was ready to compete and, Clearly he is. So, uh, I think we can definitely take these spring stats. You know, obviously not with 100% seriousness because, uh, what he's doing is just outrageously phenomenal, but it's, it's a great sign. And I, I would. Agree with you that he's a top fifty starter now. Uh, but moving on over to the NL East, another opening day announcement: Sandy Alcantara. Not too surprising that he has been chosen by Don Don Mattingly to be the Marlins' opening day starter. More of a mixed spring for him. I mean, one thing that's really cool to see is that he's already got 19 strikeouts. That's the most in spring training so far in just 12 and two-thirds innings. He also has eight walks, but the sample is so small that I think that we can't get too excited about the 19 strikeouts and we can't get too upset about the eight walks. But does this move the needle at all for you in terms of Alcantara this year?
0: Uh, Not really. I mean, I had him inside my top 40 among starters in my last set of rankings. I think I'm still expecting Another bump in the strikeouts category to be there because the stuff is really good. I, I think it's just a matter of time before we see all the pieces come together. There is some lingering walk rate risk with him. I think that's reflected in some of the projections that you see. Uh, I think it was a 9.5% walk rate from Elcantara in the combined 2019 and 2020 stats, so... Even if we do get more Ks, I'm not convinced that the walks are ever necessarily going to go away from him. Uh, The one encouraging sign, though, the command score, which, you know, Saris leans on pretty heavily, uh, is actually pretty good. A 100 command plus. It's league average command. So that gives you some hope that he's not going to be a Robbie Ray in the long run or a guy that is walking so many hitters that he's a liability in that category. It's just one way that he could let us down even if the Ks do tick up this season.
2: Yeah, uh, becoming maybe a, a more complete pitcher, especially if he can reduce that walk rate a little bit. Um, and the Marlins, too, have an intriguing fifth starter competition going on. And the consensus in the drafts that I've done DVR suggests that people think that Trevor Rodgers is going to win that. And he's certainly backing up <laughs> that confidence in him with a lot of strikeouts so far. He's pitched just eight and a third innings, but already struck out 13 batters, just three walks for Rodgers. He will make another start for the Marlins on Sunday. So I think that's one to watch because I think a good a good outing there might cement that spot for him. And um, as of right now, where do you think it's worth drafting Rodgers?
0: I think he belongs inside the top 350 overall. Um, I think his ADP is something like 500 since March 1st, but clearly he's caught the attention of the fantasy community and of the Marlins. He's a former first round pick, he can touch 97 from the left side, and he's got two pretty decent secondaries. The changeup's really good. The slider, still a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, but Miami, as we know, it's one of those places, because it's so pitcher-friendly, you at least have a path to someone you can use for home starts when you get a Marlins starter on your roster in most formats. And I think Trevor Rogers could be a lot more than that. I mean, if you told me that he's going to outperform all but maybe one of the Marlins' other starters. I don't know if I'd necessarily push back on that. I mean, I think Sixto Sanchez is probably for me like clearly a notch above Rogers for now. But if Rogers outperforms Pablo Lopez or Eliezer Hernandez or even Sandy Alcantara, I don't think I'd be that surprised by that outcome.
2: Yeah, well, if that happens, then obviously people are going to be very, very happy that are getting Rogers in deep drafts and getting him late there. Uh, uh, all the, all the more so. Um, Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to see how he does this Sunday. Uh, So let's stay within the the division here. A lot to talk about here in terms of the Mets, and not such a great development here for Dominic Smith, who's been dealing with a sore wrist. He's going to be held out of spring training games at least through this Sunday. So I don't know if that's going to impact his readiness for opening day, but I think that's something that we have to start paying attention to. But basically DVR, um, in addition to just providing the injury update here, uh, I I want to use this as, as an excuse to talk about a player that I've wanted to talk about anyway, because what I'm seeing in drafts to me makes it appear that we as a community are putting a lot of stock in his 2020 when he batted 316 and hit uh, 10 home runs over that 60 game schedule. And granted, he backed it up with a 13.3% barrel rate, but it's still a relatively small sample and that's coming off of a 2019 season when he put up some really nice stats, but didn't have nearly as much thump. So how do you deal with – he's not the only player like this, but how do you deal with this category of player who appears to make a developmental step forward in 2020? But we didn't really get the benefit of a full season to see if if that really was the case.
0: I think with Smith – what I'm looking at is some of the underlying stat cast numbers, and they're pretty good at 110.7 max exit velo, 89.8 for the average exit velo. They're what you're looking for, at least in the range of what you're looking for, for a developing power hitter. He's been young for the level everywhere he's played, and he's always been a bat-first sort of prospect who was supposed to develop this power. So I just think what we saw in the shortened season was the next step in that progression. I think the problem I have is that it's a relatively crowded depth chart for the Mets. He's the kind of guy that could lose some playing time late in games for defensive replacements because they brought in Kevin Pilar and Albert Almora. So they could get one or both of those guys on the field in the late innings. I think there's a chance that Dom Smith also sits sometimes against lefties. So, you know, for a guy that goes around pick 120 in terms of his March ADP, it's a little bit difficult to pay full freight right now, given some of those playing time concerns. If we get a couple of injuries to the outfield depth around him, my tune could change pretty quickly because I believe in the skills. I just think there are other outfielders who go near him who don't have the same concerns about sharing playing time.
2: So if you, you're you drafting in a week or so, and let's say that he is still banged up uh, with this wrist injury, what at that point does that do for your interest in Kevin Pilar?
0: I think Pilar is just really the kind of guy that you're picking up off the waiver wire in a deeper mixed league, plugging him in temporarily and considering cutting him loose when everybody's healthy. I think there's some power, there's some speed. There's clearly some batting average downside. And I think in that Mets lineup, especially, I don't think Pillar is going to hit very high in the batting order at times in the past. He's snuck up into the top spot when he's been in the lineup on a regular basis. I just don't think that's going to happen with the way the 2021 Mets are built. So uh, I, I would see him as more of a fringy like top 75 outfielder for the brief periods that he's starting every day, and I think he's someone you cut as soon as that playing time dries up.
2: All right. And going back to Smith just for a moment here, uh, because it sounds like you and I definitely agree that we're not really willing to draft him at, at the current ADP. Would you be happy to to wait that out, let Smith come off the board and draft Trey Mancini instead? Do you, would you expect similar production for Mancini?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think with Mancini, you got a more hitter-friendly environment that he's in. Uh, Fewer questions about playing time and, you know, I think you are getting a discount of about 50 picks in terms of ADP, a comparable batting average projection. So, yeah, I think Mancini ticks a lot of the boxes that you're looking for Uh, and it might have the same first base outfield eligibility that you're eventually going to have with Dom Smith, too. So a good comparison and a a nice alternative and a, a good excuse really not to pay that price for Smith.
2: All right. Well, something maybe just to tuck away there. And uh, moving on to the pitching side of things for the Mets. I actually was wanting to talk about Joey Lucchese on this show today before we got word about Carlos Carrasco straining his right hamstring on Thursday morning. So... This becomes really, I think, a, a more important player to, to zero in on uh, because the other issue here uh, in reporting from the Athletics' Tim Britton is that the Mets are considering using an opener. So, Lucchese, I mean, it looks like now, at least for opening day, that he's got a much better chance to be in that you know, I'm going to you know put air quotes around this. You know that starting mix because if they go with an opener, then he's actually the bulk reliever instead. But I think in a way that could really work to Lucchese's advantage because, as Tim points out in his piece, Lucchese, out of all the the people in that starting mix, has had the most trouble the third time through the lineup. So he gets to avoid the top of the lineup. He probably doesn't pitch quite as deep into the game, but probably a better chance it, it wins coming in as a bulk reliever, and probably better ratios as well.
0: Yeah, I think that fits in line with optimal usage if that's what the Mets end up doing. I don't think he's a particularly good pitcher, <laughs> so that's the that's the biggest hurdle. But I think if we're talking about having him go through the lineup one time or maybe – parts of a second time, if he comes in and faces the, the bottom half the first time, he goes all the way through, turns it over, and gets back through those six, seven, eight, nine hitters a second time, that could be really good. Then we're talking about a guy that maybe gets you, over the course of the year, 90 or so innings with a better ERA and a better whip than he could provide you as a traditional starter. So if they use him that way, he's sort of on that streaming level sort of consideration for me, but... I really don't believe in the skills overall.
2: So we're we're not seeing the second coming of Ryan Yarbrough for the uh, National League, is what you're saying?
0: No, nah, because Yarbrough has good command and Lucchese doesn't.
2: Well, yeah, I, you know there are certainly people who uh, are more interested in Lucchese, like our our colleague Michael Beller, if I recall correctly. But I think that that's something that everybody could certainly agree on as far as that comparison goes. And then just one more player to uh, make note of here. Uh, on Thursday's show, Michael Bellar and I, we talked about some spring training surgers, again, with the usual uh, disclaimer about spring training stats. But Scott Kingery so far is having a miserable spring training, and it's miserable to the degree that I think it's at least worth taking note of. He's three for 27. He's already struck out 12 times and walked just twice. So does this change anything for you in terms of maybe um, moving O'Double Herrera up your rankings or just... Uh, forgetting about Kingery altogether for fantasy? Does it does it change anything along those lines?
0: Yeah, I think it just leaves the door open for Adam Hazley once he's healthy to emerge as the primary center fielder, at least the guy that plays against right-handed pitching. Shorter term, yeah, Herrera looks like he's got a better path to the roster now. Uh, Kingery, I'm wondering if he's just sort of like a, a Nico Goodrum kind of player with a good bit of swing and miss, some power, some speed, and he's going to be limited by the fact that the Phillies – don't necessarily have holes all over the place right so the playing time volume is going to let us down and he's going to fall into that kevin pilar territory where it's low average it's power it's speed but it's only useful when he's getting a temporary run of everyday playing time and it kind of pushes him into that on and off the waiver wire sort of level that a lot of players get stuck in
2: well, I think we're going to uh, have to wrap up this show before we cast more shade on Kevin Pillar. I think that's just the uh, the fair thing to do here. So uh, on that note, uh, that's going to be all for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and review, we always do appreciate it when you take the time to do that. And before we do sign off here, be sure to check out Ding You presented by BetMGM. It's our March Madness show. Listen on the Daily Ding podcast feed or watch the show on YouTube. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Monday.